I don't, I don't have anything fancy to say to start things today. We'll just hit the intro. Big sigh, intro. Yeah, that works. <laughs> hit the button, Frank. <laughs> hit the button, Frank. <laughs> I am the button. You just do like a Radio Lab <laughs> intro where everybody like sputters and stops, you know, for a couple of times. <laughs> okay. Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Wow! Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Hallis, and you're welcome to the Mile High Hockey Podcast from March 13, 2017. Coming up on the show, we're checking out Sven Andrigetto and other things that happened in actual abs wins, and a little bit of expansion draft talk, but before we play the whoosh, say hello to your disembodied voices for the week. They are Earl. Hey, Earl. Hello. And Ryan Murphy. What's up, Ryan? Yo. This week, Colorado had a four-game homestand starting on Sunday where they fell 3-0 to the St. Louis Blues featuring uh, the fast-forward button. Then on Tuesday, Avs win 3-1 over the Carolina Hurricanes. Tyson Berry had three points, including a goal. Landis Gog got one on the power play. I know, I couldn't believe it either. And Nathan McKinnon added the empty netter to seal it. Calvin Pickard stopped 25 of 26. Then on Thursday, the Avs went streaking to beat the New Jersey Devils 3-2 in a game that wasn't entirely interesting until the third when everything blew up. McKinnon opened the scoring for Colorado and was hilariously followed up by Rene Bork and Francois Beauchemin. Then on Saturday, at a goofy start time, thanks to Hockey Night in Canada, Avs lose 4-2 to the Ottawa Senators, who won their sixth straight, actually. Matt Nieto scored on a really nice little slap pass from Cody Golubev, and Sven Andrigetto got on the board with a way-too-late goal, including rare assists from Carl Soderberg, his seventh, and Joe Colborn, his second. Yeah, you heard that right. Colborn still has more opening night goals than he does assists on the season. Tied with Pickard, too. Tied with Pickard. So, um, what do we see in this week that actually contributed to the Avs winning games? And, and if you say they scored more than they gave up, I'm going to come to wherever you are and punch you. <laughs> uh, playing slow, bad teams bodes well for the Avalanche. Which is curious because the Avalanche this season have been a slow, bad team. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good matchup. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we're seeing... Carolina is just not any good, and how they've maintained their record is beyond me. Uh, that team is so imbalanced in the exact opposite way that the Avalanche are imbalanced. It's embarrassing. It's almost like they should trade players and balance that out. <laughs> Who's ever heard of such a thing? Who's ever done that? <laughs> uh, New Jersey I haven't been impressed with in 15 years. Yeah, no, New Jersey are bad. They they lost their nine straight to Colorado. Right. Poor yeah. Taylor Hall. <laughs> I mean, uh, you want to trade him to Colorado? <laughs> Something? Can we have him, please? Um, we'll give you Adam Larson equivalent back. See, the the problem is if you if we take Taylor Hall on, we have to look at his face more often. Taylor horse face. I is he the one that got teeth. sliced by the skate, too? Uh, I think he, like maybe. way back in the day, I, I think he may have gotten sliced by one of our skates. Yeah, or was it his skate that sliced one of our guys? I don't know. Maybe there's both some, happened. There was some gore. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that he was the one that accidentally kicked Ryan O'Byrne in the face. 
Mm. Really? Yeah. That's good trivia. I keep talking about games and I'll Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I yeah. I do think that you know the Carolina and New Jersey games showed what happens. You know, when the Avs kind of play teams that are at their level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I made them look overmatched. They were making plays to the neutral zone and got enough shots on goal to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Um, you know, they didn't look like the worst team in the league. They just looked like a, a team that's in the bottom five. So, mm-hmm. yeah, improvement. <laughs> yeah, there's that to look forward to, which is nice. So, yeah. Uh, but you, you go up against better teams like St. Louis and Ottawa, and then, then bad things happen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I, I don't have to diminish it at all. I mean, I, I saw wins this week. In fact, I saw yeah. just as many wins as losses, and I am over the moon about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, tied a season, long, or a season record for the longest win streak, two in a row. Yeah. Hey, and even for one period last night, I had hoped it might be three in a row. Yeah. Leading after one. Yeah, Colorado got outshot to start the game last night, like seven to one. But then by the end of the period, they were out shooting Ottawa eleven to ten. Is what I think I saw AJ tweet. So that's good pushback from them. Give them some credit for it. Mm -hmm. But but then, but then, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just want to talk about seven periods of respectable hockey, and Uh, uh, I'm not sure if we've seen that. I don't know about. All right, maybe five out of seven. Yeah. The last okay. two periods against Jersey, they got smacked around just as bad as they did last night. Just yeah, the Devils didn't right. score. The Devils are just bad. Yeah. That I mean, the 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 fact that they can't come out for the second period or, or the third even anymore and and generate any kind of offense is disturbing. <clears throat> um. You know, I mean, they were lucky against Jersey. They had two shots in the second and scored on one of them. Yahoo! <laughs> Yahoo! Uh, but, what, you know, last night they had six shots after the first period. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I am no longer surprised that the Avalanche can't score goals. This is the shallowest forward group in the entire NHL. And they're... Unfortunately, anybody worth their salt is seeing the best defensive pairings and the worst matchups every night. I mean, the, the problems I'm seeing, and it, it was really highlighted last night because it's, it's a Guy Boucher team, so it's just trap fest. And they could not get the puck past uh, their own blue line. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just every time they kept chipping it to the forwards 10 feet away from the blue line and they had soft clears and Ottawa either kept it in or corralled the puck and, and put it right back in and <clears throat> i mean for the first half of the first period that's all you saw just chip out back in chip out back in chip out which is the most frustrating hockey you can possibly watch yeah you know and it's <laughs> you know you look at bork's stupid penalty i mean he you know he had the puck he had an easy clear and he just made a weak clearing attempt and and, and the devs kept it in he lost his man and hooked him the penalty and then on the power play they scored i mean it's just Nothing about that surprised me. It's crazy how these veterans can compound mistakes the way they do. I mean, yeah. they just seem to come in bunches. Last night especially, it was extremely frustrating to watch anybody who's been in the league 10 years just make mistake after fucking mistake. Yeah. 
I mean, Tootin not covering his man. I mean, standing on the opposite side of the net from the guy oh, that you that probably... was disgusting. Yeah, the guy you on probably ought play. to be covering. <laughs> I don't know which uh, which feed you were watching or you listening. I don't know which feed you were watching either. Um, but I tend to avoid watching Altitude as much as possible. And when there's a Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, I'm watching that one. And they didn't know what Tootin was doing either and said as much. Yeah. When they replayed that goal, they just like, well, I don't know what Fedor Tudin's doing. <laughs> the answer was nothing. Nothing. It's when you almost need like a Mystery Science 3000 guys just sitting at the bottom, you know, <laughs> yeah. providing the real answer. I know. I, that, that, could be, that could be super fun. Ten minutes yeah. into the game, they already had a highlight package put together of Colorado not being able to get past the red line on the left side, or on Ottawa's <laughs> left side, because they... You like, don't see that on altitude. They got up <laughs> just about to the red line, and they got hit by somebody and dumped it and lost it. Yep. They already had a package of it in less than ten minutes of game time. It's almost as yeah. if they were anticipating such a package being possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, and it, it gets <laughs> compounded, like, Boshima was... He was, you know, putting pucks off the glass and all the way down the ice again, or turning it over. He just he couldn't get the puck anywhere. You're just like, come on, dude. These aren't the 21 year olds doing this. These are yeah. like the 33 year olds, which kill me, man. <laughs> you guys yeah. know better. And I mean, he hasn't been necessarily the NHL as long as some of the other people his age. But even Carl getting sucked to the puck like a dog to a Roomba on that second goal is just alarming. <laughs> Golly, there's a man behind me. Who knew? He's just uh, fixated on it, you know? Yeah. Getting a little monomaniacal, maybe, or... I'm making a bad joke. I'm just going to stop it right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, yeah, there's just, I mean, there are so many collapses, and you just look back at all that happened last night, and it... You know, Everyone that was making mistakes was over 30 years of age, and you're just like, okay, so why are we sitting Weirkosh? Why are we sitting Grigorenko? Um, you know, I mean, it just does, it doesn't make any sense. And I was fine with Colborn playing last night. He actually, you know, he had a decent game for Colborn. You know, he had a nice up an assist at the end. Yeah, and that, that, yeah. Uh, he earned that assist. That wasn't like a accidental assist. Yeah, and he had that. He crashed into Andy and, and, and forgot the puck, but that was still a pretty good drive to the net. <laughs> that was funny as hell. It was, you know, <laughs> good effort. Yeah, that was good try. I'm, I'm down with that. You're not gonna fault guys for trying. Yeah. So uh, it's a lot of the lack of trying that we're having difficulty with at the moment. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tootin's earned a, a night off after that that goal and various other things. And it won't happen. Probably not. I mean, I'd like to believe because, because strangely enough, they put Beef in the lineup, and he actually wasn't the worst defenseman. Although he probably... was culpable for a breakaway really early, because yeah. because he pinched, not remembering that his D partner can't skate backwards fast enough to help. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh. It's that on ice awareness, you know. But that was, I, I mean, that's probably one of the better games he's had since he's he's kind of been in limbo. Yeah, right. I mean, we've seen up and down from him, you know, all year long. There's been like NHL acceptable moments, you know, out of his play all season long. It's just not been game to game. Well, I mean, it's just ever since he stopped playing every night, he's very inconsistent when he comes in the lineup, if you can believe it. It's uh, like a perfect seventh defenseman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, 
you know, I, I, I hope they don't re-sign him, but even so, he's probably got more value going forward than, than say, Tootin. So uh-huh. why not sit Tootin and play Beef and, and Weirkosh? More why athletic. Not, I mean, play Weirkosh against better. his old team. Yeah, I mean, I thought That's that what was you do. Fun. He, he gets benched against his former team after he. I mean, he played really well against the Devils. He had 14 minutes of 5v5 time. He's usually around 10 or 12. And he's usually trailing everybody by about 50%. Plus, are you so. not conceding like an automatic goal, you know, by playing the player against his old team? <laughs> exactly. You know, he could have I mean, provided it's just a gimme. We really needed. Yeah, you know, we could have had like five shots in the second period. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> God, that's fucking sad. Yeah, we should say that the Avalanche only managed 16 shots last night, which is uh, not NHL caliber hockey. Nah, neither were no, a lot of things start, they did last night. Not when you start out with with 10 or 11, whatever it, it ended up being after the first period. Oh, that's right. Yeah. But we did uh. see the first goal in the Avalanche sweater for Sven Andrigetto, who is a player we haven't had a chance to watch since, or until, or how do I want to word this sentence? Because it's not like this. This is a disaster. I, I want it to make sense. Um, there hasn't <laughs> been a, a podcast since Andrigetto joined the team. It's kind of where I'm going here. Yeah. Um, because I needed a break from the Avs because they kept playing Boschman so much that I couldn't stand it. Yeah. <laughs> Three games, or three points in four games, I think. Yeah, he's looked good. I think the, the only game he doesn't have a point was when they got shut out against the Blues, too. So right. he probably that, would have had a they scored. And that was his... Was that his first game with the team? Because yeah, I know he had some visa issues. That was yeah, his first game with the team. He was going to meet them in Winnipeg, but he had to go to Denver and get his visa, and it didn't come through until right before the Blues game. Oh, man. Thanks, Immigration. Right. Thanks, Border Patrol. <laughs> For those of us who, who follow pro gaming, there's always like one high-profile player, usually from either Russia or China, who can't get their visa straight before a big tournament. Mm-hmm. So now visas are even killing real sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, you know, because Switzerland's so, you know, Islamic in nature. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look out for that. What it actually is that the visas are just so confusing, it's unreal. Um, it's just it's it's way easy way easier to screw up those applications without even like even if you know what you're doing. Yeah, but uh, you you think that players that are going back and forth across that border, you know, twenty twenty five times a year, like would have an easier time. <laughs> Like, all this would kind of be figured out a little bit already? Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, I don't think you're oh. expecting to leave Montreal. Right. It sounds like you got the phone call, packed a bag, and just split right away. Yeah. It's like, oh boy, I get to start every game now. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to be a top six player on this team. Well, it's funny, too. He's, I, I saw an interview I think it was probably his first interview with Altitude or, or the Avs site, and he said that he and, and Barbario were roommates in Montreal. Yeah. Hmm. <coughs> so. Yeah, Altitude. Well, were both of those that, guys have been great additions. Um, yeah. I think it was the New Jersey game that Altitude was talking about that during the game. Because I'm hmm. not about to watch New Jersey's feed. Hell no. 
Um, but they were, they were saying that he was able to, you know, he's he's stayed with Barbario. He knows a lot of the Avs players from from the QMJ um, that have some <laughs> history there. So it's it's nice to walk into a locker room and see a, a few faces that aren't strange to you, which I feel like that's probably a true statement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it occurs to me that Andrew Ghetto and Barbario probably ate their share of, you know, poutine together in the stands. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're probably really friendly, <laughs> especially if they if they room together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he's been quick, which is an area that this team lacks when you get past a couple of guys. He's yeah, he's really fast, and that's actually brought an element that the bottom half of the forwards hadn't had before the trade deadline. And mm-hmm. when you look at the guys who left, you kind of see how that might happen. And, and his a lack of size, I think, to me, is probably uh, apparent, but it definitely doesn't affect his play the way you think it would. He's not afraid to use that speed to cut through the middle and make plays. Yeah. And he's a lot better defensively than I was thinking he would be. Um, you know, he's very tenacious on the puck in the defensive zone, which is just that that's just not kind of what you got the gist of his game coming from Montreal, they kind of said, well, he's fast. He might score a couple goals, but other than that, he's useless. <laughs> you know, it's like I've watched a bunch of Canadians games this year, and, you know, he, he was getting bottom, probably fourth-line minutes and not really standing out much. But, you know, with the increase in time with the Avs, he's, he's looked good all 200 feet. Well, we were wondering, uh, you know, uh, during our trade special extravaganza that, you know, whether or not his possession numbers could translate to the avalanche, you know, because he was kind of like borderline, you know, second, first liner and shots conceded, you know, in these uh, type of evaluations. And, you know, granted, some of that's going to be because he played on the Canadians, but, you know, maybe he has a little bit of that ability as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he seems to be able to move the puck. I mean, he, he was, you know, the, the Comfer line last night was one of the few lines that was able to get through the neutral zone occasionally. Mm-hmm. And they actually got some really tough minutes, too. I mean, that line yeah. got buried a couple of times, especially during that second period, which, you know, go figure, your rookie center gets beat by a pretty good team. But uh, I think Comfer was like minus 14 last night in five-on-five shots. Yeah, there I, I saw a bunch of shifts in the second where they were out there with Tootin and Boschman at the same time. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the coaches really must hate those guys. <laughs> really yeah. seeing what they can take. <laughs> must have done something bad, you know, like pregame. Like, ah, can we bag skate him? No, let's just put him out with Boschman and Tootin. Just a, it's just a stress test. It's like when you go to the doctor to see how healthy your heart is. And like, well, run as fast as you can for as long as you can. Uh? <laughs> it's okay if you have a heart attack we're here yeah i'd really like that line though i think it i think all three guys are are quite different and they bring different things that, that complement each other well i mean you've got you know andrew Ghetto's speed you got com for being you know I'm not going to say he's a good center yet but he's actually he's probably the the most defensively responsible center on the team at this point um, and then you've got Miko with the skill. I, I think what Miko's going to have to do is really, 
you know, kind of turn into Mac in the offensive zone and mm. really be the, you know, kind of the, the guy that distributes and, and sort of holds the puck and controls things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's kind of been the secondary guy for a lot of the year. So I, I think once he's ready to take on that, being the primary guy in the offensive zone, you know, with Comfer in front of the net and Andrew Ghetto on puck retrieval, I think they could be really effective. Yeah, and I'm look, take, looking back at that power play goal from last night where Colburn, you know, fed Andrew Ghetto out front. Yeah. Nico Rantanen can make that play every time down the ice. Yeah. He so loves the go wall. For it. Like, when he was on the rampage, he did exactly what I'm describing, is sitting on that wall and um, just distributing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I, – I, you know, I, I, that last night was their first night together, so you know it, it showed kind of promise of the future. But I think if if the the staff decides to keep them together for a while, I think you know five ten games down the road they might they might be really effective. Yeah, and um, that's one thing that we also haven't mentioned. JT Comfer um, was the only call up after the trade deadline, and he's bringing. A few elements the team has been lacking. The first one that comes to mind for me is uh, butt in the creasage. Yeah. You know, and he's not big, and he's doing a great job at it. So, Well, if there's one thing we know about JT Comfer is he's got, you know, like little dog syndrome. Yeah. You know, he's like that chihuahua that will, like, growl and bark at you <laughs> no matter how big you are. Yeah, uh, he's definitely got enough fight at him for about three NHL hockey players. So uh, he is a type of personality, kind of like a Gabriel Landeskog, that the team just needs more and more and more of. Yeah, I mean, all um, the interviews I've seen after games are, you know, he's like, well, you know, it's like I needed to be better, and you know, it's like even after the victories, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't pleased with how he played. He wanted to be better and, and do more. Mm-hmm. That's really refreshing. He wants well, he that comes NHL from a goal, and he got he close. He got hella close, but Landis Scott just tipped it first. Probably, yeah, <laughs> he's been close a few times. It'll come. Yeah, I mean, he comes from a winning program, though. I mean, he didn't do a lot of losing at Michigan, and I don't think he enjoyed doing a lot of losing in San Antonio. And he certainly doesn't enjoy it, you know, on his first NHL opportunity. Yeah. So uh, good for him for being very not satisfied, whereas you've got a lot of veterans right now that are playing very satisfied. Yeah. Hockey. Just disinterested. Just uh, season's over. Right. Disaffected. And uh, it's not always super fair to assume like motivations like that, but sometimes we'll, we'll give you the we'll give it to you. Over a sample of 20 games, I can make a couple of assessments. Because I I don't like making that either. Every time somebody's saying a team's not trying hard, I kind of wince a little bit because how the hell do you know? But uh, over a sample of this many games. Right. And the reason you don't. Yeah. The the reason you don't reach this level by not trying is you have to try to be good enough to play at that level. Which is mm-hmm. why it's really fucking clear when you win like two games in a month and a half, what's going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, yeah, I see a lot of guys that try hard at things that they're either good at or they enjoy, and things that they don't enjoy, they probably don't try as hard as maybe they could. Mm-hmm. Which I think there's a lot of veterans on this team that are doing things that they're not used to doing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the clearest example. But it, it has been refreshing to see Comfort and to see Andrew Ghetto come in both and just, like, come in and just hammer it, you know? 
They're, they're getting after it and making things happen on the ice the best they can. And, you know, add Nieto there. He's been there longer, but still, um, he, he kind of makes the – he was with Malkin and uh, Como last night, and he kind of made that a decent line almost. Malkin. <laughs> that, that still gets me every time. <laughs> and one, I'll say one last this thing. for Johnny Mitchell. He, he has not been – out of all the vets that have been sort of mailing it in, He's he's been trying hard and doing a lot more than a lot of the other ones. So he doesn't mail it in. He's just not very good. Yeah, and I'm okay with that because he usually doesn't screw up terribly in the defensive zone. Mm-hmm. That I can live with. If 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 you can at least not give up horrible goals all the time, you know, if you're not scoring, I can deal with that. You're, Wins you're faceoffs. Forced. Yeah, you know, a couple little things. <clears throat> you know, just doesn't I would generate points at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, and you trade that off for Bork, who's, you know, he's probably going to put up some points for you, although he definitely shouldn't be on the first line. Um, but, you know, it, he's just so terrible on the wall in the f- defensive zone that it, he's going to cost you points. So, um, one last thing on weird lines that we've seen out of this team, though. and what I, I know that there's not people to put with everyone, but... What is Duchesne Soderberg Colborn? <laughs> I think that's a demotion for Duchesne uh, right now, which is difficult to process. Yeah, but what does that li- what does that line do? <laughs> Watch Matt Duchesne be better at hockey than they are. That, well, yeah. I mean- JB said after the game, you know, that he was asked specifically about why Duchesne was with Carl and, and Colborn. And he's like, you know, Matt's struggling right now. I'm trying to find some people he's he's going to have some chemistry with. <laughs> you know, uh, so he's like, I'm Captain Chemistry, Carl, Carl Soderberg, well, to the rescue. Because well, I mean, he said, you know, I played him on every line last night. I played him at wing. I played him at center. I mean, you know, and do something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's you know, who exactly is he going to be productive with? I mean. I, I know there's an obvious answer. Like there's there's a right wing spot on the top line where you might be, be <laughs> might find a little bit of scoring prowess back. You know? I mean, more scoring prowess than one goal in 24 games. Yeah. Oof. Um, and but it's your team's leading goal scorer. But, but he's <laughs> always done that with his goal scoring. But he always makes up for it with assists, which means he needs mm-hmm. someone to play with. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now we're looking at a sub fifty point season from Matthew Shane, in which he's healthy, and that's like terrifying. Yeah, uh, there is just so much wrong with what's going on around Matthew Shane, and I, I can't explain why it's necessary. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally get where he's coming from. I mean, I I don't know what Sackick has told him as far as what their plans are. I mean, it's pretty obvious they really want to trade him. Well, whether they can actually pull that off instead of just farting around all year, we don't really <laughs> know. But it's been it's been this way since a couple months before last year's trade deadline. I'm, I'm sure Dutch is just tired of it. Yeah, you know? it, it's got to wear on you. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he was dead sure he was getting traded at the deadline, and then it just doesn't happen again. Yeah, I mean, how this long? is a young guy that's like interested in buying homes and starting families and, you know, yeah. Getting his life set long term, and this just can't feel good. 
Yeah, yeah it's I mean, like it, with the, the John Michael Lyles saga again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I don't think it's fair to him that, you know, he gets messed around with like this. He's the scapegoat every time, you know, in the media. Like, if the Avalanche aren't winning, why aren't your top guys scoring? Yeah. <laughs> Which is code for Matthew Shane, where the hell are you? Yeah, I mean, that's just going to continue. And now it, it is, you know, Sackick screwed this up so bad. He's, he's had him on the market for so long and not pulled the trigger that, you know, I just I don't see the same kind of interest for Duchesne now that there would have been before the deadline or last summer or before last deadline. So, I mean, he, he, you know, maybe he gets a good deal fall into his lap or something like that this summer. But, you know, if he doesn't. That's just ridiculous. If he, if he doesn't trade him at the draft this year, he's got to go to him and say, all right, I'm going to trade you at the deadline when you're about to become a free agent if we can't get a deal together to, to extend your contract. But until right. then, you're safe. And Yes. Right. Give him some <laughs> peace of mind, you know, and make him a more useful player until then. Exactly. I mean, I, I don't I, I can't see it. how he can do that because, you know, he's he said that the team needs to improve and he has to – Find some way to do that. I don't know how else you're going to do that without trading Matt Duchesne. You know, I, I don't think he wants to trade Landeskog. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's, I mean, there's rumors that, that Matt could be available, but I, I don't think they want to do that either. I mean, it just, if you're going to trade someone, it makes sense to trade him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's not listening to the market. You know, the market is saying, this is what we're willing to pay for Matt Duchesne, and, and Joe doesn't like it. Yeah, I just think that more teams are going to be in the market during this offseason because I think you're going to have better teams that are playoff bound that are going to be looking to retool with a player like Matt Duchesne. Yeah, but are they going to offer more? I mean, I could see more teams putting together very similar packages, but I can't see a significant increase in like the total asset value of each package. Perhaps not, but I think you'd have teams that are really gunning for like a championship that may be interested in the services that would offer more in futures, and you may be able to get surplus value that way. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I, and I think people have offered that already, and he hasn't pulled the trigger. So, yeah, um, who knows? Just, it, it sort of leads back to incompetence in the front office as far as you know how, how they're going forward with the team. Well. Well, speaking of the front office, um, the uh, the time for this deal I've always kind of suspected was going to be at the uh, at the draft floor. But like, do we trust this front office to to make that move happen? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but they have a lot of uh, decisions to make coming up pretty soon, and maybe we need to t- have these discussions on whether we just trust them to pick who to protect and stuff too in the upcoming expansion draft. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if they've made, like, bad... You can't really say they're making a bunch of bad trades because they're not really making much in the way of trades. No. Mm-hmm. Some of this inaction may be able to be chalked up to expansion draft stuff. I mean, I just think a lot of teams are a little bit paralyzed, you know, until these pieces start to fall over the summer. I don't know. I mean, I really question... I question what they think that their players are worth and and don't do deals because they don't think they're getting enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also question, you know, that we had a couple of deals with Cody and, and Iggy 
where they did it out of respect for the player and, and things like that. And I just I I have a serious problem with going that route as far as a motivation. Uh huh. So you can't keep doing that. And, and it's not just trades; it's just sort of like you know they they keep playing veterans or they don't you know they don't bench or send veterans down to the AHL. Um, out of respect and things like that. I mean, it just sort of seems like putting the respect of veteran players above the good of the team is sort of a mantra. And I think a lot of teams have moved away from that and found success. Yeah, I think a lot of sports have moved away from getting ex-athletes in front office positions for this very reason, (laughs) because they have a little bit too much of a boys club. Except Uh, for Steve Eiserman, who... right. Like consistently gets made fun of for doing something, and then fixes it at like a wizard. Yeah, right. He's also a ruthless Russian who you know doesn't care about anybody's feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you just look at Denver franchises specifically. I mean, the Rockies had that problem for years with uh, managers who were ex-players who were. You know, uh, Nuggets had it for a little bit with Dan Issel. I mean, played veterans too often. Uh, you're seeing teams turn to younger, analytics-driven guys who trade players like assets, you know, as opposed to human beings. And whether that's right or wrong or unethical, I mean, I can't say. But, uh, gosh, give me the 27-year-old general manager in <laughs> Arizona, you know, who's getting three draft picks for a third-line center. Give me that guy, right? And I and I think that leads into the you know the expansion draft question. Like, you know, are they just going to protect Bosch because they have to, and they think they owe it to him? You know, even if though there should be mutiny, we should march on the Pepsi Center with flaming torches if yeah. that happens. I mean, I, and and I you know I I, I don't think they're going to do something dumb like leave Zadarov exposed to protect Bosch or something like that. Do people own pitchforks in their homes commonly? Like, you guys are more homeowners than I am. Do you have pitchforks? I have a pitchfork. Because I'm going to organize this. I have a rake that could double as a pitchfork (laughs) if I needed to swing it as such. It's pretty gnarly. Can we mount, like, a cow skull to it or something to make it more imposing? Because I'm... The March on the Pepsi Center is happening this summer if they protect Boschman for yeah. the sole reason of keeping a veteran around or out of respect. Yeah, so before we get into that, let's read some quick rules on who has to be exposed to the draft. Um, there, there has to be um, at least one defenseman who is under contract next season and played in at least 40 games this season or at least 70 games over the last two seasons. There has to be at least two forwards who are under contract next season and have the same playing kind of rules as the defenseman. Um, there has to be at least one goaltender who is under contract next season or will be an RFA. Um, and if the club elects to make an RFA available, then that goaltender must have received his QO. Hmm. So, kind of silly little rules, kind of weird little rules. Um, the players that you that are automatically protected and don't count against you are guys in their first two pro seasons, so Miko Ranton and JT Comfer. They don't count against the list of protected. Um, And then people that you have to protect that do count against you are people with no movement clauses. That's your Eric Johnson's, which we're going to protect him anyway, I I would imagine, and your Francois Beauchemin's. Which they shouldn't protect anyway. Right. 
Uh, I made a pretty strong argument, you know, this past week that the Avalanche should utilize their cap space next year to buy out his contract. Yes. And um, I think that's a pretty easy move to make because there isn't much you can spend money on this offseason besides that. So I'd like to see that happen, or I'd like to see them utilize that as a leverage to get him to waive the no-movement clause. I mean, do you think they're really going to do that, though? I mean, he, he's he's number one on the team in minutes played. He, he played 24 <laughs> minutes in the game on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I, I checked a couple games ago. He was number one on the team by 70 minutes. <laughs> Just uh, one big sleight-of-hand movement. Yeah, I mean, I you know... I, I just I don't see, you know, I, I just don't see the motivation for them to do that. I mean, I think they like him. You know, I think they're fine with how he plays. I mean, maybe they're not. Maybe they're just putting him out there to show how bad he is. I don't know, but um, that seems logical. <laughs> yeah, but it just it worries me with the you know with the whole respect for Aginla and McLeod and the trades and, and you know it seems like protecting a veteran who doesn't want to go anywhere is something that they would do as a matter of course. I mean, it seems clear that they want to hit a reset button, you know, uh, if not before the end of the season, during the off season. I mean, I mean it's, they say that. I just, I'd want to see some evidence of that. Yep. You know, calling Don't blame you. isn't, you know, evidence of that. Calling one guy up. You know, it's like, I worry they're going to protect Como too. And Carl. Oh, God. Oh, God. <clears throat> you know? I mean, I could, I could honestly see that. You know, I could see them protecting Como, Carl, and Bosch and saying, well, Over, like, protect our better guys. <laughs> you know, and you lose a Matt Nieto or, or a Mark Barbario because of that. So which route do you think the Avalanche go? Do you think they protect seven forwards and three defensemen plus no. a goalie? Or do you think they protect eight skaters plus a goalie? I, I think unless the unthinkable happens and they actually do buy out Bosch, they're going to have to protect four D's because you really don't want to expose Barry or Johnson or, or Z. Well, Johnson's got the no move, so I think he's going to be protected either way. Yeah, but I mean, you, you wouldn't want to lose those guys and then right. they feel they have to protect Bosch. There's, you know, that, that sort of puts it into the, the eight skater deal. Yeah, because huh. you're protecting um, Duchesne and McKinnon. You're, you're protecting Landeskog. You're protecting... Como. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. No. But, and then you're, you've got one wasted on Boschman if you don't buy him out, and you've got one used on Johnson. And then you've got Tyson Berry. So I'm at six here. Three Z. of each. Zdorov, yeah, Zdorov. I, for, I forgot about him because he's hurt. Yeah. Um, which is different from when I consistently forgot John Mitchell was on this team over the summer. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the season. And most of the season. So, I mean, then you're looking at for your eighth, are you going to use it on um, somebody that you may still believe in having potential like a Grigorenko? Are you going to use it on someone that you think can help your team next next season like a Barbario? Um, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's it'd be nice to still hang on to Andrew Ghetto, Barbario, and and uh, and, and Nieto. Nieto. <clears throat> seeing a pattern here with the new players. Even in the best situation, you couldn't protect all three of those guys. Yes, unless you get serious about jettisoning some really sloppy, terrible veteran players. So uh, let's see that happen, please. 
Yeah, I mean, theoretically, all right, you, 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 if you buy out Bosch, you could go, you, you could just protect Barry Z and, and EJ, mm-hmm. and then you could protect five forwards, and yeah. say you trade to Shane before that, you know, that opens it up a little bit, I don't know, right, but, um, you know, just, I, I, I wish I had the faith in the front office to start doing things that, that really make the team younger and better, rather than, you know, keeping this faith to their older players. I mean, if we lose Mark Barbario <laughs> to keep Francois Beauchemin, I, I'm not sure I could continue with my sunny outlook on the team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's, you know, I, I would hate it. I mean, I, I think Barbario is good, and I, I'd love to see him stick around. He, he makes a lot of errors, though, but, you know, he's better than anything else we have. Sure. As a left-handed defenseman, uh, that's pretty aggressive i mean he makes plays he's very tyson berry-esque yeah um and those two guys together are really fun to watch you know in spurts i mean certainly not for 60 minutes but uh yeah give him you know half a period what we hear about barry being sort of in the doghouse with the front office maybe they trade barry before the expansion draft and you know if they trade barry and and Buy out Bosch, then they could they could really do the Barbario deal and five forwards as well. So, you know, yep, that, that just also consider that cool though. Well, you've got to you got to get a Barry deal right though. You just don't really mm-hmm. have that much like that on your team. Yeah, that means. But I mean, that I I think the only way you trade Barry is if you've traded Duchesne already. And then you committed to another three or four years of reset. I don't think so. Yep. I mean, if you get, you know, if you get one of the Carolina defensemen, you know, if that if that deal finally materializes, yeah, that yeah, if that was going to happen, that would have happened before the deadline. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I I mean, it it just seems like that's the kind of thing that both got, you know, both Ron Francis and Joe Sackick are, you know, they just can't pull the trigger on anything. You know, maybe they finally play enough golf that the deal finally happens. <laughs> Or uh, go fishing enough in Boca Raton, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I still hold out hope because, again, it, it just it, it makes too much sense that it wouldn't be something that both teams would seriously consider in the off season. But sometimes well, the things that make the most sense are the least likely to happen. Yeah, <laughs> we may be surprised at some point yeah. this off season. So. Um, Everyone's required to submit their list of protected players by June 17th. The the actual expansion draft is on June 20th. And at no point will the NHL announce the list of who is protected. They won't even televise it. So, once again, the the NHL knows what its fans want more than its fans do. (laughs) (laughs) Marketing we geniuses. don't want contract numbers. We don't want to know expansion draft lists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, like I, I kind of mentioned this during our conversations that we're having, you know, prior to hitting the record button. But I, I think a lot of this information starts leaking out, <laughs> and uh, whether it's true or not, you know, there's going to be a lot of speculation that's going to generate a lot of attention as well. This is something that they've mentioned recently on the Steve Dangle podcast. It doesn't take every GM leaking their list. 
because every GM will have access to the lists. You need one GM to leak it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet you can find one GM out of 30 who will give you the lists. Right. No. There, there could Las be Vegas. <laughs> yeah. There, I, I could see a big amount of Omerta. And I, it, it just depends on who besides the GMs has access to the list. I mean, it'll leak somehow, but I, I just can't see anyone confirming it. Yeah, of course, no one will confirm it. And we also are going to have to all keep our eyes open um, between the 17th and the 20th for, um, how, how should we call them, assholes who leak unwritten <laughs> lists that are not real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look for the check mark, y'all. <laughs> you that are like cryptic things like <clears throat> so-and-so just put his house on the market and... <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think that it's difficult to create these lists and release them in advance because the buyout period is the two days immediately preceding that date? Um, yeah, I don't think I, I don't think the final list will be final until like five minutes before they have to submit. Right. I mean, there could be a lot of movement before that day too. I think what is it, June fifteenth through seventeenth? I think is the buyout period. Yeah. And uh, that might be a little busier than we're used to. I could, Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it will. Uh, hopefully it is for the avalanche too i think for anyone because i mean anyone that has a ton of nmcs is going to be like i mean we got to do something here mm-hmm. you know this might kill us on cap for a few years but it's better better than losing you know this dude in his third year who scored 25 goals or something you know i mean there, there's definitely going to be weighing um the cap hit versus the future so i mean I, those are some tough decisions and i can totally see you know, waiting until the last five minutes of the buyout period and just a flood comes in. Something like that. Yeah. Maybe some misdirection too, you know, just to throw a bunch of nonsense at teams at the last minute so they can't react to it very quickly. Yeah, putting guys on waivers. and Uh-huh. <laughs> Might be a busy couple of days. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's... I mean, it's it's going to be fun to to watch the process because it's such an indirect observation um, of the of the whole thing that, that everyone has to sort of infer what their teams are doing and, and put it all together on a national scale. Well, at any rate, um, that's coming up. Eventually, and uh, we'll we'll probably talk about it more as it gets here, and as we actually get some names on the list. But uh, for now, we still got some hockey being played, and uh, some players doing things good and bad. Who are your stars and scratches for uh, for this week? Hmm. I'd say Andrew Ghetto is a star for sure. Yep, getting three points in four games. Uh, you know. That's the type of scoring we haven't been accustomed to this season. Right. Yeah. And it, it just um, it seems it, it seems the way he plays is, is making other other people on the team better. Yeah. You know, it, give, it's motivational, if anything. <laughs> give me uh, Calvin Pickard. Uh, he was pretty instrumental in both of the wins. Uh, yeah. You know, Avalanche weren't giving up their breakaways uh, necessarily, but he's making solid saves and playing good. You know number one B number two goalie style hockey. Um, 
you know, he's not perfect. He's got areas of his game he needs to clean up. And gosh, he's really been kind of distracted <laughs> probably more than I'm used to, you know, by uh, screens and fronts and tips. But, um, you know, um, more than once this week. That, that game where he got pulled in Winnipeg, the, the, the game where he goes to the bench, looks up at the screen and goes, wow. <laughs> you know, Where'd that I come can't from? fucking believe my guys did that to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, made sure to take the mask off before he did it. Yeah, he's a he, he's he's a strong one mentally. Let's say that, yeah, I mean, that was, I think, one of the games that I took a break from. Yeah, well, it's just, they they just had five horrible defensive breakdowns before the halfway point of the game, and I wouldn't fault him on any of those goals. You know, it's mm-hmm. horrible defense. And <laughs> but, you know, they went 2-2 two and two this week. Uh, even the game being lost got shut out in St. Louis. He only gave up three goals, which if you're the avalanche goalie at this point in the year and you're only giving up three goals, you've succeeded. Yeah. You know, uh, gave up only one to the Hurricanes, two to the Devils. And, you know, what? Ottawa got a bit out of hand, but stood strong for probably about a period and a half of that. <clears throat> And then I'll take a, I'll, I'll throw in at Tyson Berry, who's looked pretty decent this week as well. He had a couple of really good games in the middle of the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that game against the Hurricanes, he was fantastic. Who do we want to hate on? Oh, where do I start? All of them. Bork, Tootin. Soderberg. <laughs> oh. Beauchamp. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's just say the uh, older... Useless contingent of this team all deserves to be one gigantic homogenous scratch. Gentle. <laughs> Giant yeah. homogenous scratch. That's the uh, that, that's the name of my uh, upcoming <laughs> turntablist record. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I'll give Johnny Malkin a little bit of credit, and I won't put him with those guys because he's you know. He hasn't been part of the problem. Not part of the solution, but he hasn't been part of the problem. Also, uh, we didn't have the same kind of expectations for him. We expected him to be a fourth-line center this year and not a key ingredient to the defense or the scoring or anything in particular. I mean, a fourth line, you kind of want to be neutral at best. And his play this week has been neutral. Uh, Carl Soderberg, we thought, should be a second- or third-line center this year, and you know, a 45 to 50 point score. Uh, so he is a disappointment. Whereas John Mitchell is not quite to the same degree. Yeah. They have found nothing with him this year. He's done nothing at all. And I mean, I, I don't fault Rennie Bork for playing on the first line. Cause he doesn't make the lineup, but he's been horrible in the defensive zone all year. Yep. And he drags that whole line down. <laughs> it's exactly what everyone said was going to happen when he signed that PTO. Yeah. The only, yep. the only difference is that he got some tips at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Just the tips. So should we look ahead at next week and what we got coming up to look forward to? Let's Are we that. looking forward to it? Right. Well, um, when you hear the, hear the names of the teams, I think you, you think you might be. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so next week, Colorado open up in Arizona on Monday. It's an 8 o'clock mountain start. 
Then they're back at home on Wednesday at 7.30 Mountain against the Detroit Red Wings. It's a home-and-home home with the in-Detroit leg being a Saturday Mountain matinee, 11 o'clock Mountain. And then Colorado travel for a back-to-back in Chicago on Sunday at 5 o'clock. All games are on altitude, and both weekend games are on NHL Network in the U.S. Oh. Hey. <laughs> I, just, I can't watch it. It's the only channel I can't watch on. <clears throat> so, Arizona, pretty shit team. Detroit, that's yep. pretty You know, shit. that's a game you really want to lose. Not that the Avs are really in danger of catching them, but they might. They, right. And Dallas, pretty shit team. Or Dallas, Detroit, pretty shit team. Detroit again, pretty shit team. Chicago, somehow unable good. to beat Colorado. Well, Hawks have been hot lately. They haven't been yeah. playing Colorado now, have they? That's right. But here's something <laughs> fun I'm looking at just because I'm taking a look at the standings. The Coyotes and the Red Wings are tied for the Avalanche in row. Yeah. They all have 19 wins. Um, I mean, seriously. Regulation or overtime. I I think the young Machiavellian GM for Arizona might make it easier for them to lose games down the stretch and and catch the Avs. Machiavellian? What? Um, But, I I mean, I think if we lose that game, I think that that might just clinch it for us. Our our own uh, former Vermonter, a poster on MHH, goes through... Um, a tragic number for the Avs to clinch. Last Not a magic week. number, a tragic number. It is tragic. But, uh, I mean, we were eliminated last night, so that's that's kind of the tragic number. That, mm-hmm. That's the, the puck daddy tragic number. Yeah. Um, but I think our tragic number for getting the first spot as far as ping pong balls is uh, 20. Mm. So a lot of work Still to be ways done. off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Coyotes are still 15 points ahead of the Avalanche in the standings. It's going to take some, you know, Herculean work by both teams to surpass each other in the standings. Or There's 15 uh, games, you know. Whew. Well, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Colorado would have to make some post-deadline trades, and Arizona would have to throw hard. <laughs> I mean, they could call I mean, up all their prospects, you know. They, they would. Um, you know, they've got an unlimited roster and plenty of cap space, so they could call up all their AHL guys if they want and bench all their vets. And it still wouldn't be worse than Boschman, Tootin, and Borg. <laughs> yeah. So who's the real Machiavelli right now? Is it Sakic <laughs> or is it Cheka? <laughs> um, but... Uh, See, if, and if we lose that one, then we could beat the Wings twice, and, and it wouldn't really hurt us. So that that's kind of the call, I think, for the week. L- lose to Arizona and then beat the Wings twice. Because you got to. Yeah. <laughs> I think they beat Arizona, and I think they get they don't just lose to Detroit twice. They get wrecked by Detroit twice um, be, because this season has hated Avalanche fans. Um you're going to make me read that Kisler article after that? Exactly. The uni- <laughs> yeah, the universe is not in our court, and so that's happening. And then Colorado uh, will shut out the Blackhawks. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> damn it, now that's going to happen. <laughs> I didn't consider it a possibility before, but now it's inevitable. Thank now you. Now it's inevitable. Well... Realistically, we win one of the Detroit games and probably nothing else. 
No, uh, yeah, I, I think you can go two and two this week. I think you're going to get a similar result as last week. You're playing bad teams or mediocre teams, and you know you're going to lose on bad nights for them. And I'm sorry, but you're going to win on bad nights for them. And you're going to lose when they play real hockey. So, fifty uh, percent odds of winning, two and two. Well, um, we we all seem to be pretty much in agreement then that they could win two games this week, which is mm-hmm. more positive than we uh, typically are about this team. But um, however many it ends up being this week, you know you can find out here. Thanks for tuning in, and you can tune in the next week and every week as long as the I don't break up with the Avalanche again. Um, on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast or on MixCloud at mixcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast. We post to milehighhockey.com every week. You can catch us in iTunes. You can catch us in your favorite RSS feed catcher. Um, the latest ads, news, and updates are always at milehighhockey.com, which you can follow on Facebook at facebook.com slash milehighhockey or on Twitter at milehighhockey. So, Four games this week, and all of them are winnable, and most of, like, there's even a matinee, which I'm a big fan of matinees and early games. Maybe you're not, but I am. So, I like it. See you next week. Have you guys noticed that, like, hockeystats.ca's gotten really funny <laughs> recently. Yeah, they're, they've turned into the meme lords. The, the other night, the uh, flyer played the actually good. Yeah, the actually good played the Hurricanes, but the computer boys played the Lightning <laughs> <laughs> last night. That's Florida? I believe it's code for Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I was on this last night. I'm like, this, is this an error? I don't keep up with the memes very well, I don't think. And then uh, a- after the Leafs beat Fl- Philadelphia, it turned into the flyer versus the actually good question mark. Yes. It's <laughs> <coughs> bringing up stuff. I thought they were bad now because Austin Matthews hasn't gotten a point in five games. Oh, God. Oh, what a bust.